The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Family Matters with your host, Dr. Virginia Collin. In this program, we will explore some of the challenges families face and the solutions they create in today's world, where marriage, parenting, and family forms are not what they once were. Now, here is Dr. Virginia Collin. Hi, I'm Virginia Collin, and on Family Matters today, my guest is Pamela J. Sams. She has been helping people improve their lives through good financial planning for many years. She is currently the president of Jackson Sam's Financial Services, which is a financial planning and wealth management firm in Herndon, Virginia, where she offers both advisory services and securities. Welcome to the show, Pamela. Thank you for having me, Virginia. I'm looking forward to talking with you about how people can do a good job of managing their money and planning for retirement. And we planned that our primary focus would be retirement planning, but I expect we will mention a few other things along the way. (laughs) (laughs) That always uh, happens, Virginia, so don't worry about it. We'll, We'll have a great conversation on financial planning and retirement planning. Sounds good. Okay, so... Um, let's start here. How early in life should a person get started on retirement planning? Well, the correct answer, Virginia, would be the first day that you really start with your professional career. But as uh, as always, the reality is that most people don't even you know think about retirement planning until they're in their early to mid fifties, if then at all. But I would probably say the target time period would be mid-40s because there's still at that time uh, to make minor course corrections as you go along that will yield significant results than if you had started a little bit later. So I would probably say the sweet spot would be somewhere in the mid-40s to to get started. But when you get started with your ultimate retirement plan, when you're early, that first day that you do start your job, it's probably best to put aside money into your 401k or whatever employer retirement plan you have to get started with that. But the actual planning probably starts a little bit later. Yeah. I have actually been impressed with some young people I have met, early 20s, who already Mm -hmm. knew that as soon as you start your job, you should be putting some money away for retirement. And I thought, who told them that? Nobody told me that when I was that young. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. That's, that's, the, that's the thing. Um, I believe a lot of, uh, let's say, millennials today uh, have probably learned a lot from uh, previous generations uh, and, and boomers on ways to, I guess, not do it. <laughs> so I think it's just by observation that they get started a little bit earlier. And probably, you know, from from discussing um, it with uh, millennials as well, 
probably a lot more cognizant of we really need to start uh, being prepared on our own versus some of the other things like pensions and other things that other generations relied on. So I believe they're a lot more self-sufficient when it comes to um, planning, doing financial planning than, let's say, previous generations. Yeah, there there really is a huge range out there. There are people who start jobs with companies that have 401k plans and they mm-hmm. use that kind of retirement planning. I knew one young man whose retirement plan was to invest in real estate and have tenants mm-hmm. and eventually sell the houses off one at a time <laughs> to mm-hmm. pay for his retirement years. And I know uh, people in their late 20s, maybe early 30s, who are still kind of trying to find themselves. And if they have enough money for this month, then they feel like they're okay. And the thought of retirement planning doesn't seem to have crossed their minds. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be quite a bit of a, bit of a challenge because, you know, so, some people... And probably most people, you know, you're really dealing with the day-to-day financial situations that uh, that come along, like you said, you know, really making sure you have enough to cover your basic expenses on a monthly basis, let alone 20, 25 years from now, what that's going to look like. So mm-hmm. it could be a, a little bit of a challenge for, for people earlier on because there's so many other financial obligations, uh, yeah. you know, especially if you have children that you're planning for, uh, you know, college, you're, you know, buying diapers, you know, whatever the case may be, you just really focus in on the day-to-day financial issues yeah. and not so much the uh, the longer-term planning, but it's just right. as important. That's, that's yeah. the key. Yeah, and we may come back and talk about this more, but pretty soon we'll move along to talking about retirement. I do think that you're right, that the first step really is to learn to live within your income and have a budget Mm -hmm. and abide by the budget that you set for yourself. Some people, you know, don't have a clue what's going on with the money in their lives. (laughs) And some people get themselves really badly in debt and, you know, then, you know, then it's really hard to save for retirement. But let's, let's yeah, say... That, that's a concern. That's a concern for a lot of people. I think it's just a, a part of the society we live in in terms of uh, instant gratification on getting things that we want versus the things that we actually need and then paying for them later rather than right on the spot. So that gets people into a lot of trouble sometimes, taking on extra debt just for the instant gratification of I need it now versus let me devise a game plan or a strategy to save for longer, uh, so for larger pur- uh, purchases that I don't necessarily need right now and, you know, have some type of um, strategy to save versus just automatically putting it on a card or something like that. Okay. Well, you said earlier that uh, for a lot of people, the sweet spot to start getting serious about financial planning towards retirement is in their 40s. Is mm-hmm. that the age group that comes to you most often for assistance? I get um, a variety of, of ages, but I would probably say the majority would be you know later on in, in their um, early 50s, you know, kind of the typical when people are thinking about it. Uh, I get some people that as soon as, you know, they hit that 
uh, the big 4-0, then they're really like, wait a minute, I have, you know, maybe 20, 25 years at this if I'm looking at a traditional target date of 65 for retirement. So the, I guess the urgency becomes a little bit more real, mm-hmm. realistic mm-hmm. than, you know, before when they hit that kind of magic age of 40. So I get a lot of people that, you know, really come in and say, I need to uh, get things to, in order. I'm starting to think about retirement or at least the longer term for, for my future and then, you know, where do I get started? So I do have a, a fair amount of people when they hit that magic number really okay. starting to think about these things. All right. Let's pretend I'm one of those. I'm in my early uh-huh. 40s and I had one employer for a year and a half where the human resources department really encouraged me to put some money into a 401k plan. But other than that, I haven't done much about retirement planning. I've been paying for what my kids needed and sending them to Uh school and getting the kind of car that I wanted to drive and the kind of house that I wanted to live in. And there's nothing set aside for retirement. And now I'm realizing I don't want to have to go to work five days a week forever, what uh-huh. kind of plan do I need? <laughs> Help me out. That's, 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 that's always the, the, the big question. But first, you really have to determine at that point uh, when you w- want to retire. Uh, that's always one of the, you know, when they say, well, how am I going to have enough? There are several factors that really go into planning for retirement first of it uh, first question is probably when you're going to retire because that would really ultimately determine what you're you're going to need in retirement so if you're looking at let's say a 40 year old you just came in and said well what do I do I don't have anything really safe for retirement my next question would be you know when are you thinking about you know retiring is it you know 60 65 55 you know where is that range um, because then that's where you can kind of put a stake in the ground and figure out what you're saving towards and what that number would be based on when you want to retire. Um, and, you know, with people living longer and staying healthier and active later on in life, you know, they may continue to work way past 65. So that number may be, you know, 70. They always say 70 is the uh, the new 65 or, you know, the 65 is the new 55 or something. So <laughs> that's kind of where you start is really figuring out when you want to retire and then starting to take a, an assessment of what you have so far with the year and a half that you've uh, stuck money away into your 401k. And then what are we working towards and anything in between on basically customizing uh, what your lifestyle is going to look like? What do you want to do? Where you're going to live? Those are the basic questions. Um, that you really need to kind of figure out first, and then we can start working towards um, a game plan based on those those criteria. Okay, so let's say I'm 40, and I'd really like to retire when I'm 60, and I'd like to be able to travel while I'm retired, while I'm still, you know, pretty healthy and can mm-hmm. get around pretty well. Is that possible? Can you help me come up with a plan for that? Yeah, I mean, basically what you would do is that you have, uh, you want to retire at 65, so we look at what your lifestyle would look like, where you want to live, so if you want to travel, that would be a uh, one of the, let's say, the, um, the building blocks that you would use or financial goals you'd be working on in retirement. 
So you would put down, I want to travel, I want to live, you know, let's say in Florida or wherever. Uh, And then based on the lifestyle that you choose, you come up with a number. And then we back into how much do you need to save from now until, let's say, 20, let's say if you came in at 40, so 25 years, how much do we need to save? And then also how much, uh, what do we call rate of return on your investments that you have to get uh, in order to reach those goals. So based on that, you know, once you kind of outline a, uh, a financial plan for your retirement, you know, things may need to to change. So you know what you need to do. Some people may be a little more disciplined than others. So if they need to save, you know, much more money, that may end up being more sacrifice that you have to do in order to meet that goal if that is very important to you to meet meet that target retirement date. But at least you have the answers on what needs to be done in order to achieve that goal. And then from there, what do you, what type of, uh, sacrifices or, you know, um, changing your situation to work towards that. But that's the key. Um, there's probably about 44% of people or workers who have actually calculated how much they need in retirement. The rest of the people are like really scared and they don't want to take a look at it, what it would wait, be, wait, but did you that's just where say, you need to start. Did you just say 44% of adults have calculated how much they're going to need? Correct. Wow, that is a much higher percentage than I would have guessed. Our country's in better (laughs) shape than I thought we were. (laughs) Well, that's actually a lot lower than I expected when I read that number because, you know, that's probably, you know, more than, you know, almost 56% or so. Yeah, that means more than half. More than half half of people have not done a good job of thinking about their retirement years. (laughs) Yeah, that they even not even even you know taking the the opportunity to uh, to really even look at the number. So you know it's hard to to uh, really focus on a moving yeah. target if you don't know what it is. <laughs> so that's why I said the first that's thing you have true. to know what the number is, um, okay. and then work towards getting that um, into place for you based on what you're going to need. Okay, well, let's see if we can come up with a story. Obviously, I don't want you to tell me the client's names of anyone you've worked with, but probably Mm -hmm. you can think of someone who, you know, came in at age 40 or 45 and said, I just realized I need to get serious about this. I would like to be able to retire when I'm 62, and I don't know whether I'm going to be able to afford to do that. And you looked at the picture and this per- you had to tell the person, you know, you've got to really make the way you live now much less expensive if you want to be able to retire at 62. Mm-hmm. Does that happen? Yeah. Can you give examples like that? I have. I've definitely had that happen, you know, probably more often than not because a lot of people have uh, goals that may not be as realistic when they first come in. Um, I always do you know, what I call a pie in the sky situation where, you know, let's put down everything that you want uh, in terms of your ideal retirement, when it's going to be, how old you're going to be, what are you going to be doing, where you're going to be living, those sort of things. And then from there, we kind of customize it based on what's reality. If you need to make adjustments right now based on your lifestyle. So if you're living, you know, let's say, you know, that, that person, that, that I have worked with before, uh, you know, 
you're basically living outside of your means now. So we need to really adjust what you're spending, get under a um, a budget. You know, that's always the dreaded B word that I bring up with people um, is really you need to have a budget on knowing what goes in, uh, what comes into your household, and then also what goes out of your household. And based on that, you can really start to tweak on what's what's what I always do, kind of a, a wants and needs columns, things that you need and things that you want. And those things that if there are more wants than actual needs, those are areas that you can start to um, pinpoint that can free up cash flow that could be reallocated towards uh, additional retirement resources or building up cash reserve or, you know, putting more into an IRA or whatever. So you first of all need to know how you're living in order to know which ones are viable options to eliminate out of your lifestyle uh, in order to meet your, your goals for the longer okay. term. And I always ask that question, you know, if it's really, if you're really serious and if you're really disciplined and if this is very important to you, you need to make adjustments in your lifestyle right now. And then based on that, we come up with a strategy in order to do so. But I, yes, I've had, you know, people really um, slack back a little bit, cut back on some things that they were doing, and then reallocate some some more resources to a retirement in order to, to meet that retirement goal at 62. Uh-huh. Do you have people do something as dramatic as sell the $600,000 house they've been living in and move to a $300,000 house that they can afford? I have not had that personally, but I have colleagues that have um, have uh, suggested um, and have people really uh, make dramatic choices like that. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a downsize, so we would just downsize to something a little bit more, especially if things get a little more, uh, I guess, you can do things a little bit more if you're just kind of a couple. It's just, uh, you know, the two of you versus having a, a family. So once the kids are out, maybe the kids are away at college or they've graduated already, uh, people tend to evaluate a little bit more on some of the things that they were used to, to doing when they had uh, children at home. So, you know, bigger homes, uh, they may want to downsize a little bit more in order to, to save resources and then use that home equity uh, in order to put money away for additional retirement assets um, as well. So, you know, people who are really, you know, it's like, I don't want to work a day past 62 and how do I get it done? And then I show them this is what needs to happen. Then, you know, there are certain things that you need to take a look at if they're willing to make those sacrifices in order to do so. And so some people do. Okay. I'll be back talking with Pamela Sams about budgeting and planning for retirement after a short break. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. 
we help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. Family members too often find themselves in court arguing about separation, parenting schedules, financial issues, divorce, estates, or care of an elderly relative. There's a better way to solve a family problem. Work with a professional mediator in private, confidential meetings. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at collinfamilymediationgroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. Welcome back to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin, talking today with Pamela Sams of Jackson Sams Financial Services. You can find them online at jacksonsams.com, and they have some useful financial tools right on their website for free. So that's one possibility that you can explore. Before the break, we were talking about some aspects of retirement planning, and we're going to carry on with that a little bit. Um, Uh let's see so you ask people I think um, one of the things that you have mentioned to me that we haven't mentioned on the show yet is thinking about medical expenses that's Uh that's part of retirement planning tell me how you how do you talk to people about that oh that's that's a tricky one because most people uh, that's kind of the area where a lot of people really don't consider as part of their retirement expenses because it's a whole separate category. Uh, Fidelity did a study probably about a year and a half ago that said people need about 241,000 income. A couple 65 years old who's retiring in 2015 would need 241,000 to meet medical expenses throughout their retirement. And that's not including long-term care and that's not including what you need to live off of in retirement. So the retire, uh, the medical expenses gets to be a little bit of a challenge when I bring that up because there is another whole category that people don't really consider. Uh, but what I look at is really medic- Medicare. They offer some very valuable, 
benefits, but retirees will still have some out-of-pocket uh, costs, premiums, co-pays, prescription drugs, all of that that's not covered by Medicare. So really making sure they have um, a good medical insurance coupled with Medicare, probably coupled with a, a Medicare supplement plan um, mm-hmm. to cover and pay for the expenses that um, are out-of-pocket for medical expenses and retirement. Yeah. So that's a whole nother, you know, part of the plan that I also address with them, especially, you know, probably not when we were talking earlier about people in their mid-40s, though I do bring it up, but people who are probably within that, you know, five to 10 year window, because those are real decisions that you need to put in place sooner rather than later in order mm-hmm. to uh, meet the medical expenses in retirement. I see. Yeah, I would think that would be terribly hard to estimate. I mean, you could certainly use the um, the number that you mentioned from a study that a big uh-huh. insurance company did, but it's so hard to guess. Somebody might get cancer and need treatment for 10 years. Somebody might get diabetes and have one complication after uh-huh. another that comes from that. Somebody might, you know, just, it's it's really hard to guess who's going to have what sort of medical difficulties to deal with and how much is it going to cost to deal with them. Maybe the best you yeah, can do um, is, is <laughs> yeah, statistical actuarial tables and statistical averages. Yeah, and then also you, as a jumping point, you can, you know, especially if you're, let's say, if you're in your mid to uh, early to mid-50s, I mean, I'm sure a lot of us these days are on some type of prescription drugs right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're really just going to say, okay, how often do you go to the doctor? Um, What are your prescriptions costing now? Um, And then just kind of take a baseline of what you're currently doing. Of course, you know, as you get older, things creep in. Like you said, you know, there may be some more severe medical situations that, you can anticipate a little bit earlier on, but you're taking basically a baseline of what you're currently doing and with your medical expenses based on what you're doing now. And then as time progresses, you're probably going to use more of those actuarial calculations to mm-hmm. estimate, you know, how much out of pocket, because most of the time you'll take a look at what Medicare is going to cover. Medicare is going to cover about 80% of, uh, of cost, and then you're out of pocket 20 so, you know, with basic uh, out of uh, premiums and co-pays that you would have with your doctor, then, you know, it's kind of, uh, I wouldn't say easy, but it's a little more accurate on what the expenses would be with trying to calculate that 20% that you're responsible for that Medicare wouldn't cover and then how much your Medicare supplement um, premium would be and then how much you need to pay out of pocket for your Part B medical insurance because that is a cost that the IRS comes up with with the percentage of um, Part B Medicare premium that you pay. So there's a little bit of uh, guidelines that you can use on some out-of-the-pocket costs that you can anticipate in retirement. Okay. What are some of the barriers or challenges that come up when people try to do their retirement planning? Well, I think a few individuals have foresight to start planning earlier and stay disciplined. You know, of course, like we explained before, some of the day-to-day financial situations uh, do come first, but having that vision for the future 
is just as important, but some of the barriers that people run into is really how do I get started doing planning when I'm just really focusing in on how to meet my uh, day-to-day expenses. So that's always a challenge. But the one thing that um, we had talked about before is if you do have a retirement plan or an employer retirement plan, from day one you should be involved with that and putting money away. And then also revisiting that retirement plan on a um, on an annual basis. Most of the time people don't go back and say, if I got a promotion, I get another raise, perhaps I can increase my contribution to my uh, retirement plan by one or 2%. So you're not absorbing that, um, that raise and then it becomes part of your lifestyle and you haven't captured it yet. Mm-hmm. So you were used to one pay in the beginning, why not increase your retirement plan by, let's say, the percentage that you got for your raise, therefore you get more money going toward retirement. And then also making changes and adjustments with your portfolio um, on an annual basis and rebalancing. So a lot of, of what people experience in, let's say, even the recent downturn and the volatility in the markets is that people don't, you know, you kind of pick some stuff in your retirement plan, but you never go back and make changes or adjustments. So you could be uh, overweighted in any particular, let's say, asset class that may be more volatile than others, and you haven't made any adjustments. So these are some of the things and challenges that people run into when they're doing their retirement plans, because it does take some, um, some maintenance to mm-hmm. take a look at it and revisit and make sure you're doing the best that you can for your retirement. Um, retirement, And then also taking advantage of um, extra uh, savings that are available to you. You know, some people aren't aware that over age 50, you can put in more into your retirement plan at work uh, based on the IRS rules that will allow you what they call the catch-up in order to put more money towards your retirement plan. So some people may not be aware of certain rules that are available to them that, you know, if they had known, they say, oh, if I had known, I would have put more money towards that. So those are some of the areas that people need to to start looking at and um, taking advantage of. Well, you got me. I didn't know that. (laughs) I had no idea that the IRS... Um, you know, made allowances to help people out. If you get, if you're late getting started saving up for retirement, they're going to let you save a larger percentage of your income per year. Is that the way it works? Yep. If you're over 50 and let's say you're uh, maximizing your, or you do have to be maximizing, but if you're maximizing your uh, current um, 401k or 403b or whatever your employer retirement plan is, they allow uh, if you're over 50, to put in an extra, uh, let's say, I think it's 20, well, it's 17.5 normally, and then they allow you to put in an extra five, uh, 5,500. So altogether, you can put in 22,000 into as as a maximum into your retirement plan. Um, $22,000 so, per year? Per year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that gives you an opportunity to save more um, once you reach over 50, like you said, if you need a little bit, that's why they call it a catch up. So if you need to, to catch it up a little bit more because you hadn't 
done more in the past. And then that's usually, you know, because uh, people tend to have children who are now um, either away, that they're not dependents anymore, you have a little bit extra resources and you're not spending them on the kids, that you can start catching up on some of these retirement plans. Um, they also have it in, uh, if you're teachers and um, government employees, uh, 403B plans, which also allow you to save even more, but you have to check your rules and your and your plan to take it uh, to take a look at even putting in even more than just a regular catch up. Okay, so I'm about as ignorant as the next person about these mm-hmm. matters. I know mm-hmm. a 401k is the la- that's the label for a retirement plan that is available Correct. through an employer. If you work for this company, Mm -hmm. they help you put money away. Even maybe you put a certain percentage of your income into it, and the company will match that with an additional contribution towards your retirement fund. 403B, you're saying, is like a 401K, but it's for teachers and government workers, or...? It's for teachers and, uh, you know, public government workers. So if you're like a state worker, like in, you know, state of Virginia, where we are, uh, you would have a 403B, or if you worked at the library or something like that, you would have uh, a 403B, which is like a 401K, but labeled different. (laughs) Okay. Yes. But it works about the same way? But it works the same. It works the same way. Yes. There are a little bit other uh, uh, caveats to, I mean, well, a little bit more benefits. Like I said, you know, some of the 403B plans have a, um, what they call a, if you're working towards uh, being a teacher, you'll have like a three-year program where you can put in a significant amount. If you're like three years within retirement, um, you can put in much more uh, into it. But, you know, there's certain programs that, um, you have to look into it and make sure your particular employer takes advantage of that one. Okay. We should probably give some advice to the people mm-hmm. who don't work for a company or a government institution agency mm-hmm. that offers a 401k or a 4013b. What if you're self-employed or you know, what if mm-hmm. how should how should somebody who doesn't have those options available save for retirement if you do not have those options available to you if you're let's say self-employed you have access to you know and also depends on if you have employees but you have access to uh, what they call um, simplify employee pension plan it's not a pension but it's called pension uh, what they call SEP IRA that's a self-employed vehicle to save for retirement. So you can put in money into that if you're self-employed. If you do have employees, there's also a plan called a Simple, uh, which is a simplified uh, employment um, plan. Uh, but there are also some rules on putting money away for your employees. Um, so you do have to, to look into that a little bit more and see what the rules are because there's you know, minimum you can put in and there's a maximum, but it is uh, what they call a simple S-I-M-P-L-E and then also a SEP IRA for self-employed people. For people okay. who are not um, employed at all, then you can also put in the, um, you can also start an IRA account, just an IRA, plain IRA, individual retirement plan, 
mm-hmm. you can put money into that um, on an annual basis, and that's up to uh, five thousand. I'm sorry, fifty five hundred a year that you can put into your IRA. Okay, so if you don't have an income at all, but somehow somebody's handing you money, then you can put five thousand five hundred dollars per year into an IRA for yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know because um, <laughs> last time I looked closely at the rules for IRAs, it was quite a while back, but you couldn't mm-hmm. put money in an IRA unless you had an income. You couldn't put more in your IRA than the amount that you were earning or a certain percentage of the amount that you were earning. Oh, I don't earn, remember yeah, the details. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, earned income. You do have to have earned income. So, you know, if you're making a little bit, but if you're, let's say, a spouse, that's mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't take advantage of is a spousal IRA. So let's say your husband is working or your wife is working and you're not working, then you can start a program on your income and then start a spousal IRA. And a lot of people aren't familiar with it or take advantage of that. So you can have an IRA and then you can also set up one for your spouse under your income. Okay, so let's say that I am self-employed. I don't have anybody else working for me. I just run my own little business. Naturally, Uh I make at least a million dollars a year. Um, And my husband doesn't have to have a job because I do so well. (laughs) So so I can set up an IRA for myself, and there'll be a specific amount of money that I'm allowed to put in my own IRA. And then in addition... We can set up an IRA for my husband, who doesn't earn any income, but he gets the benefit of my earned income. Yes, exactly. Okay, so, so a lot of yeah, yeah, and a lot of times people aren't aren't don't take advantage of spousal IRAs because they're not familiar with the rules. But yes, if you don't, I, and a lot of times you know people don't take advantage of it because they just don't know. Um, but you know, stay-at-home moms or you know moms who choose to. Uh, you know, let's say get out of the workforce for a little bit to take care of their their children, and then eventually they'll go back uh, if they choose. During those time periods, they can have a spousal IRA that they're accumulating retirement resources. You know, that may be one of the more important things that we've said in our conversation, that um, mm-hmm. it's something that people don't know. You know, if you work for a company, they might mention that a 401k is available. Not too many people will think to mention that you can set up an IRA for your spouse. <laughs> Correct. And a lot yeah. of times with your employer, um, you know, their uh, their main concern is, you know, we have offered this 401k to you. They really don't have a, uh, a lot of discussion on the um, options that are available for additional retirement planning resources or vehicles. Uh, outside of their particular 401k. So those are, you know, things you would probably have to, uh, you know, go research on your own or if you have access to a financial planner or an accountant or something like that, that will be able to tell you other ways that you can put money away for retirement. All right. We're going to take another break and Pamela Sams and I will be back in a couple of minutes. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Sadly, that's wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, or co-parenting, there is a better way. Family mediation. Save time, save money, and make good plans for your children. Visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radioshow at collinfamilymediationgroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. Pamela Sims is talking with me today about managing wealth and re- and planning for retirement. Pamela successfully completed pretty demanding requirements to receive a Chartered Retirement Planning Counselor certification through the College of Financial Planning. And I'm Virginia Collin, looking forward to learning a little more about retirement planning as I continue my conversation with Pamela. Let's... Uh, Let's think a little about the act, the moment when somebody retires. That's mm-hmm. a big transition. Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times people aren't, they deal a lot with the financial piece of retirement, but really don't realize it's such a life-changing event that impacts families and having a conversation with your spouse or partner during that major life transition. Um, A lot of times when I get people to uh, come to my office and I sit down with them and they're like, I'm thinking about retiring and and this is what I want to do. That's probably the first time that a husband and wife have had this conversation with each other, which is amazing to me (laughs) because this is a very, uh, you know, it's a major life transition and you really haven't 
you know, discussed it. You know, we do, I read, you know, somewhere that we do more planning for our vacation than we actually do retirement. So I think it's best to communicate with a, a spouse and develop a common set of goals and objectives for retirement um, as you're going through planning it. Uh, because, you know, things can be quite different from what you envision and what the other person envisioned. You know, even with, you know, my own husband and myself, we've been talking about, you know, retiring probably within the next 10 or 15 years. And he's a cold-natured weather person, and he doesn't mind, you know, living in someplace cold. So his thing was, you know, we're in Virginia now. He wants lake property. So he's mentioned Erie, Pennsylvania, which is, very cold during certain parts of the year. And I'm like, I really don't want to be there. I don't want to warm there to a person. So it's like, if I can have a place where I can be a snowbird and eventually uh, transport myself during those winter months someplace warm, then I will be fine. But, you know, people, sometimes I will hear conversations from people who come to visit me that, you know, they'll look at each other and they'll say, I had no clue you wanted to do this. You know, how, why haven't you told me this before? Um, and those are kind of the conversations that really pop up out of, you know, looking at a major life-changing um, event like retirement. But it's probably best to get it out before you actually, you know, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> Having that conversation with your spouse on yeah, what I'm you want to do. I'm actually very surprised that, in your office is where that would first come up. I know. I, I would have That's guessed what... that most people who are married to each other talk to each other about what they're going to do in their later years together. <laughs> um, I think it, 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 it's always surprised me, too, is that, you know... Um, that they wouldn't have this conversation, but, you know, that's where, you know, some of the actual, you know, wishes and dreams and uh, conversations occur. You know, sometimes, like I said, you're used to just kind of, you know, you come home, you know, hi, honey, I'm home, and you're dealing with the day-to-day stuff, but you really don't talk about your your dreams and your aspirations sometimes um, with your spouse. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times this is where, you know, I start asking those um, very deep questions on, you know, have you decided what you want to do in retirement? What kind of lifestyle? What what type of things are you going to do day one when the alarm clock rings and you, you don't have to go to work? And, you know, what are you doing with your life? And a lot of times, you know, it even happened with my own sister is that, you know, she retired a little bit earlier from uh, federal government work, but she had no idea of what she really wanted to do. So she was a retired all of about a year and a half, maybe two years before she went back to do something else or get a part-time mm-hmm. job or volunteer because a lot of times people are really focused in on the, the money piece of retirement, which is definitely important. They really don't think about the, um, the emotional and the psychological aspects of being retired. What are you going to do with 24-7, a day, mm-hmm. you know, open schedule on nowhere to go? Um, and some people experience um, and encounter identity crisis because a lot of times people were really tied to being this at this particular job, being the manager at this, or being the director at this, is that once that stops, they can actually go into having an identity crisis of who they are and questioning their self-worth and purpose as they're 
making this transition to retirement. And sometimes that's often played out with, uh, you know, conflict within, you know, the family with your spouse uh, and or your partner. Um, I had a client whose parents, they had retired um, and they really didn't have this conversation, I guess, um, entirely. So she retired and she really wanted to go and be a free spirit and do traveling and, you know, uh, volunteer at the community center and do all these things. And he wanted to be a couch potato and just sit home and watch, you know, the real housewives or something. And they (laughs) conflicted because she wanted to go out and do this, but she was doing this on her own and he was still at home in his pajamas looking at TV. And I don't know if it was more of a, he really didn't think about it or he may have experienced some of these psychological issues, but that had a rift on their family dynamic for quite some time because he would just be in his pajamas pretty much all day looking at TV and not mm-hmm. doing nothing else. And she's doing this until, you know, my, my client, you know, says this is really becoming a, a family problem with, with my parents and how do I deal with it? And, you know, these are some of the things that I told her that she really needed to kind of maybe have a family meeting about is how are you, how are you feeling? Are you going through an identity crisis? Let's all talk about some things that we can do to make things a little bit better. So it won't continue um, where, you know, one's doing this and out and traveling and about, and then the other person's at home doing something else. Maybe they can come up with some commonality on common goals and objectives moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, you know, that was a little bit earlier on uh, in his retirement. So I think, you know, with that conversation, hopefully some things will start to um, to transpire where things mm-hmm. will get a little bit better. But those are some of the issues that people aren't really aware of when they start to think about retirement. Like I said, the money piece is very important, and that's where people focus in on, but not some of the other things that really yeah. have impact families. Yeah. Sitting in your pajamas all day watching TV sounds to yeah. me like um, a symptom of depression. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, it's maybe worth mentioning that um, if your family doesn't, easily figure out on your own how to keep life good when one member or the other or both retire. There are other Mm -hmm. people out there who can help you. You could check with a counselor. You might find someone Mm -hmm. at your church who could help you a lot or your temple or your mosque. Um, You know, uh, if it's difficult to have the conversation you could even talk with a family mediator about retirement Mm -hmm. planning so you can make a plan together for how your family is going to work after you're not going Mm -hmm. to the job all the time anymore yeah i know one of the problems that i've heard some people mention is i used to stay home all day and you know manage my own time and and take care of the house and the kids while they were young. But later it was, you know, just the house and my volunteer activities. And now that my spouse is retiring, retiring, I'm afraid he or she is going to be under my feet all the time. I'm, I'm afraid of what it's going to be like when I don't have the complete freedom to do what I want when I want that I had while there was nobody else in the house. 
I get I get that a lot, Virginia, as well. You know, I have a, you know, the the conversations that pop out of uh, of retirement plan. It's like, okay, you know, we're going to go at this together, and you know, now, you know, I was used to this, and now he's home, and or she's home, and now I feel like I actually have a boss because <laughs> that person. You know, telling me this or, you know, things we need to do or, you know, things that need to get done around the house. And now you feel like you have a whole nother job. So mm-hmm. that definitely, you know, I've, I've seen that and I've heard it a lot is mm-hmm. that that's one of the things that people are, are fearful of is that, you know, they will come at odds with each other in the family mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, the person's under their feet or like you said, uh, and they were used to, you know, a little more freedom before. Yeah. But, you know, that's where we talked about having, you know, conversations with this out on the open where, you know, I am experiencing these feelings, you know, this is what I would like to see happen, you know, versus, you know, holding it in and really just uh, at odds uh, and not coming up with any resolutions to it. Yeah. Yeah. Communication is generally good if you're not talking with each other in a way that helps you to make plans together you might be putting yourself at risk for those one of those increasingly common gray divorces um, Mm -hmm. which might be fine with you or it might not be what you really want so (laughs) I'm I'm a fan (laughs) of uh, constructive communication not screaming at each other, but, you know, constructive communication. Constructive communication and conversation. <laughs> That's what I always say is that have a conversation, you know, prior to, uh, you know, retiring. So you know how to handle the issues if they do occur. You know, there, there's going to be some different changes and dynamics in your relationship based mm-hmm. on now you're not, you know, both getting up or, you know, going to a job or yeah. things like that. So things are going to change. Oh yeah, another one. Plan accordingly. Another one that I've seen cause problems for people is when one was the stay-at-home, take care of the house person, Mm -hmm. and the other was going to work. Then the one who was going to the job retires and expects the take care of the house person to continue to take care of everything with no assistance, even though (laughs) you don't have a job anymore. Like why? Yeah, why do I yeah. still have to do all this cooking and all this cleaning and all this shopping, and all these errands? I used to do it all because you were going to the job. You couldn't help, but now you're sitting around watching TV all day. Why do I have to do all the work? <laughs> yeah, why do I have to do all the work? And that's something you need to talk about too. Is that you know who's gonna who's gonna share the uh, the workload? You know, I used to do this because this is how. Uh, you know, it occurred when you were going to work, but now that we have, uh, we're both home, we should, uh, you know, determine equal load on who takes care of what. Mm-hmm. So it all comes back down to having a, a conversation around those and not really keeping it in and continuing to do all of the work right. <laughs> and just watching the, the other person look at TV in their pajamas all day. <laughs> okay, we have just a couple of minutes left. I want to remind people that they can find some information about your company online at jacksonsams.com. And there are some financial tools right there on the website that people can use. I also want to mention that um, I did a show with Danielle Kunkel on July 21st about 
she got really detailed about how Medicare works and what additional insurance you may want to have to go with Medicare in your circumstances. Mm -hmm. So people who are at that point in their lives, and really, if you're 50 or over, you're at that point where you should start educating yourself well about this. You could look up that July 21 show. Um, What else? We've got just a short time left. What would you like to repeat and emphasize or add that we failed to mention so far? Um, I think, you know, the keys are really understanding what you, you know, some of the questions to ask yourself, when do you want to retire? Uh, where do you want to live? Also, you know, picking a place to live when you retire, covering the medical expenses. Uh, what are you going to do when retirement and what kind of lifestyle do you hope to enjoy? Uh, are really some of the areas, uh, as you start doing your retirement plan to consider. Uh, and then everything else stems out of how much do I need to save based on those, que- those key questions that you need to ask yourself about retirement. So that's kind of a a synopsis or a recap. (laughs) Okay. And one of the things that you mentioned that I probably should remind myself about from time to time is that really at least once a year you should look closely at what your wealth is and how you're managing Mm -hmm. it and and whether you need to make some adjustments so that you will be well prepared to have the money you need during your retirement years. Correct. Correct. Okay, so thanks very much, Pamela Sams. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on Family Matters. Please tune in for another edition featuring host Dr. Virginia Collin next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be kind, heal, and grow.